What is up? I'm Dr. Sox. And I'm Dr. Jones, and welcome to another episode of the Quarantine Snack Podcast. AKA QSP. Where you come for the snacks. But you leave with some soul food. Today, we're going to discuss fixing racism in how many minutes, Jay? 30. 30 minutes? 30 minutes. <laughs> Right. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. How you holding up, brother? <laughs> I'm holding up, man. Everybody trying to fix racism in 30 minutes, man. And so uh, with that, I'm very busy. Um, mm. I, I work within um, diversity and inclusion um, as well as through the speaking and stuff through Live Mighty and self-narrate and other things. But uh, my nine to five is diversity and inclusion. Um, and so right now, everyone is, you know, for the past two weeks, whether it's been friends, family, co-workers, supervisors, bosses, CEOs, uh, they've yeah. been out um, wanting to be allies or wanting to express how they've been in the process of being allies, but also yeah. uh, several employees of my, my friends, people of color, you know, they've been, we've been all trying to figure out how to process this overwhelming wave of mm. uh, support um, yeah. and, and yeah. asked and, and, and overwhelming asks to help make it better. So it's like, you know, give us some ideas on how to help you all, you know. And it's, yeah. So navigating that is like, it's my inbox has been flooded. My text messages have been flooded. Uh, I will slowly wow. be getting back to each and every one of you all, maybe. Um, and hopefully maybe. the video <laughs> might help be a response for some of the questions you might text me for answers for. So, Very um, true. But outside of that, man. Continuing to stay healthy, working out. Uh, okay, okay. I see you on the watch. I see you all the time. Okay. Right, I'm trying to keep up with you, bro. So <laughs> getting there, but um, you know, yeah. just trying to stay balanced so I can continue to perform at a high level. So that's why. Yeah. But how Man. you doing, bro? Man, I'm doing all right. Um, I think I told you uh, recently that my dad passed, so that was a real heavy, heavy burden for me for a little bit. Had to drive out to Virginia. So, and I've been thinking a lot about grief. You know, that's really got me thinking about grief in a different way. So. As you know, um, maybe our, our listeners, viewers might know by now, I'm a psychologist. And um, um, so I'm always kind of wading through the emotional world of others. Um, and I meet grief oftentimes with my patients, right? I do chronic pain stuff. So people are always trying to process what it feels like to have lost ability, to have lost um, like, you know, their uh, relationships because they can't go out like they used to, even during COVID, right? Having lost the ability to connect with others, which might play a role in some depressive symptoms and things like that. But myself, you know, I'm trying to also deal with some loss, right? At first, I was trying to grieve Ahmaud Arbery, and then came George Floyd, and then came, you know, uh, more information about Breonna Taylor and um, Tony McDade, uh, Dave McAtee, um, and most recently, I was just talking to you about the young man that was, uh, that we found, or that was found uh, hanging, um, which was uh, Robert Fuller. So, um you know, it's it's a lot of grief in general. And then the most important person to me, he passed. So um, I'm grateful to uh, have some skills that, you know, around grief. Uh, I know that grief is a long process. So I might not look like I'm grieving today, but I am. And I might not look like it tomorrow. And I am. And if I'm crying the next day, then that's cool too. Um, so really trying to manage that stuff. Um, but also, like I said, kind of a collective grief that we've been experiencing, uh, especially as Black folks. Um, so one of the things that I do when I'm grieving is I hit up Jay and I say, what up? Um, I got on some dope clothes. That's one thing that helps me manage some of my stuff. Uh, and if you notice, let me put this down. Your boy got on a little something funky today. Yeah, uh, a little, I don't know why. A little something. Uh, <laughs> I see 
stuff from my boy Jason, <laughs> my boy Jason Dempsey. Uh, I think his IG is J-S-N-D-M-P-S-Y. He's a dope graphic designer, dope artist, and uh, he put together this design, so I had to make sure to get on board. Uh, while I'm at it, might as well show you the sneakers. Two wearing today. I mean, your shirt is white and black, and I figured I'd throw on something that might possibly match the white and the gray. So I went with the dark gray 12, uh, something I never had. I wanted a pair of 12s back in the day. They, they pulled up, you know, these were in season. I actually posted it on IG. She was like, come Christmas, I ended up getting them, number two, three. So uh, yeah, man, that's what we on today. What about you? Oh, man, I hate you for one, because you always be like, I got something like, you know, just And you just pull out the little A little dark gray. Whatever, man. What the, this last dance line, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so I, man. Um, you know, uh, we, we stay trying to support uh, as many people as we can, especially minority-owned businesses. Uh, oh, yeah. Friends, family who are doing things, too. So um, the polo that I have on is from my okay. cousin, Jermaine Harrison. He has a clothing line uh, called Evil Do. And what I love okay. about it is the message. Evil Do is E-V-O-L-D-O-O-H. It's okay. good love spelled backwards right and so it's pretty dope so he had uh, a specific line usually the his normal his, his most popular logo has a person yeah. with a hoodie on it has a zipper across the person's mouth okay and the zippers across the mouth because your actions should speak louder than your words you should be judged based on your actions dope dope he released an exclusive limited line with the polos. He put the bear on it, but the scarf is over the mouth. You know what I'm saying? So this was the, I knew I had to copy because when I'm on these Zooms, I'm in these boardrooms. Yeah. I'm wearing <laughs> good love in the boardroom. I need room. it. I, I need it. From my whole community with me. You know what I mean? I so need I it because of. You know, the, the idea of you never leave where you're from. You always bring that yeah. with you. you learn yeah. from the And you build that resilience. So. Yeah. Um, kind of dope, man. So Jermaine Harrison, Evil Do, um, yeah. great clothing line. Um, you know, uh, hat. Okay. By Walmart. Uh, okay. By Walmart. My my South Central Falcons. You know, high school. Okay. okay. First fly first graduate okay. class in Winterville, North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? So I leave it to the front a little bit this for guy. my thirty birds. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know, got match. You know, some light. Don't really. You know, here I we go. Little, here we go. About these. I mean, these are these are sleepers, bro. So these Dead are the, sleepers. The, Le, the LeBron James James Elliott uh, collaboration, the icons. And so. Um, okay. Noted that they're, they're known as the Coca Colas, but you know, black yeah. But what I like about them, bro, is they're you know they're translucent. So the material. Whatever sock you wear shows oh. up through, right? So I get your your limited, you know, edition Dr. Socks line that comes out, you know, I can see it through the shoe. You know my mean? man, my man. Like this too, man. I can dress it up, have on a polo, have on some slacks. I'm at the office, still wear my LeBron. So um, we talked about, you know, keeping the yeah. culture yet, yeah, man. And so that's what my, I'm man. Doing, man. my man. My yeah, man. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. You talking about this light? It's heavy over there. <laughs> Whatever. What you sipping on? So, man, today, speaking of sipping, uh, I am sipping on some agua. That's all I'm having today. I have been dehydrated with all the travel. Figured I'd have a little bit of agua today. Um, 
additionally, um, I had a friend who likes the podcast. Thank you so much, Mai. Um, and she sent me some snacks for our snack. Oh. So this is called, I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'm going to destroy it, but it says it's a product of Thailand. These are crispy seaweed sriracha chili sauce flavor, delicious goodness from the sea. So I'm geeked about having uh, some snacks. I'm really excited about that. And while we at it, uh, I did forget to mention the Pan-African design behind me. You see those socks, uh, they're hanging. I don't know if you guys know, but Pan-Africanism, all these colors, the red, black, and green actually came from the Ethiopian flag. Other flags, other flags throughout the, um, that actually kind of represent the uh, African diaspora. Um, so other flags since then have actually adopted those colors. And of course, black folks, black, yellow, red, uh, as well as uh, the green um, have adopted that as well as some of traditions. Um, so I'm really excited to have those thoughts hanging behind me. Watch out for my line. Jay's gonna make me make one. So make absolutely. sure that you keep your eyes open. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely am. It's coming. Yeah, yeah, I have no choice. Yeah, no choice. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we like to diversify our snacks. Uh, we are yeah. uh, open opportunity. Uh, snack eaters, as long as yes, we, we are. are with the cause of equity, inclusion, and uh, liberty and justice that's inclusive of all. So, uh, all. yeah, <laughs> so good stuff, man. Uh, we yes, will sir. be by somebody with some snacks. I am one day well. drink your water, man. Okay, okay, try and stay hydrated outside of that. Um, been doing a little bit of a, a, a fast, man. Been doing um, fasting in the morning, um, okay. and only drinking liquid so teas black coffee so where yet i no cream no 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 almond milk Oof. nothing just black coffee man oh. uh and oh. my favorite mug from the center for civil civil and human rights out of atlanta georgia um, whoa this is the mural that's inside of the inside wow. of the actual um wow museum that is funny. so they put it on a coffee mug so you ever get there wow. you know justice for everyone and so wow um, like my coffee black and, that's uh, fire brother getting there so it's helping it's helping but that's where we at man i hear you bro so i i wanted to um have you say a quick word man about what you do right i know you collect mugs i know you can collect, collect sneakers i know you wear hood love backwards on your polos so obviously you're a fly guy but what do you do in your daytime and how does that relate to what's going on today man what I do is I'm actually a diversity and inclusion practitioner. Um, I'm a diversity and inclusion manager for a program for a Fortune 100 company, uh, which means that my DNI programs touch a lot of employees in a lot of different ways, uh, from recruitment to uh, training to goal setting, uh, policy uh, implementation. Um, I'm an extension of human resources, uh, but more of a, a subject matter expert. So it could include me being a practitioner, uh, an executive coach, uh, but it could also mean that, you know, I'm helping talent acquisition uh, create a, a diverse candidate pool. So um, it's the action behind just the, the, the words of DNI, right? So mm -hmm. uh, right now, my inbox is flooded from everybody because everybody wants to know, hey, I want to be, <laughs> or the process mm -hmm. that I'm feeling right now, um, mm -hmm. and how do I say I'm not okay at work? Like, so right. this past two weeks uh, hmm. was already a challenge because even prior to, we're feeling isolated due to COVID. So the inclusion side of the work that I do was, well, I was being leaned on heavily for that. And now it's bringing it together. The very same 
understand the systemic racism, having the conversations at work, uh, pushing leaders and uh, to have that uncomfortable conversation and to continue yeah. the dialogue and to have that dialogue implemented in the strategy and action. So, uh, boy, your boy been working. I probably, wow. I feel the most, I, this, this is the hardest I've ever worked. And I'm glad that people are, are, are doing that. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Sound like people at work think you are probably, if I were at your job, I'd be like, that's that expert on black people over there. Is that how people see you? Uh, not, not just black people. Um, okay. I think, uh, to be honest, uh, from a, a any minority group, mm -hmm. um, you, you, you tend to lean to DNI even naturally yes. when things go wrong in DNI. You know what I'm saying? So, like, until equity is there, until representation looks like what the world looks like, um, you're going to continue to have these spaces and, and places where, you know, today uh, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on African-American issues because that's yeah. right and it's long overdue. Mm -hmm. But I mean, prior to everything that was going on, we were still working with our African-American yeah. employees. I was still working with our community um, as well. But also trying to figure out how we implement change to support our LGBTQ plus community because uh, this is Pride Month. So you know right. that that kind of you know they, in solidarity they were like we'll have that conversation a little bit later. We'll yeah. Be but we're in solidarity for saying this is the issue at hand. We mm -hmm. want it. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I say all that because it can also be you know women in leadership. You know after you get yeah. to the executive level, how do we show up in the boardroom? Um, so it's a it's a space of being a subject matter expert on being an ally and an advocate. In my okay. Opinion. Um, yeah, man. A lot of times you find some may be heavy on the training side, and then okay. some may be heavy on the execution side and things like policy change and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you can figure out a way to get a balance and and, and be good at both, that's yeah. where you really drive change. So if I can create a space for understanding, for connection, for allyship, for, yeah. for uh, multicultural competence, mm -hmm. and then I can help implement that into action items, the things that can yeah. be measurable and held accountable, there you go. That's and, dope, man. It's important you say that stuff because especially right now, right? I mean, you are your job is extremely important, um, not just with the protests throughout the world uh, when it comes to Black Lives Mattering, but like you said, it's Pride Month. And um, lately I've been seeing a lot of posts about the trans community and how the trans community has been in some ways ostracized from the rest of the black community. So there are posts when Breonna Taylor, right? Her story kind of got lost between George and Ahmad. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is people put voice to her case. And now we're seeing more and more about Breonna. Um, and then as Breonna gets some momentum, people like Tony McDade and other uh, black trans people who have been murdered recently, some by the police officers and some, by, some not, uh, again, we don't want their stories to go lost, but that's really interesting, right? Being a black person, and uh, I don't know about you, but the way I was raised, right? It was like my, my environment, at least the men in my world, were kind of homophobic. So some of those like layers of being black, especially being a black man, might include homophobia. Might, and then you take one step further and you go, well, how do black people feel about trans folks? Like, what do we do with all this stuff we bring? And it sounds like you do an amazing job at your job, uh, you know, at your, your place of employment to figure out ways to have these conversations, bro. Yeah, and, and, and it's a lot, it's, it's a constant uh, space of self-reflection. You know, when you talk about diversity and inclusion and the reason why I titled, you know, How to Fix Racism in 30 Minutes, it's uh, jokingly placed that because yeah. some people are looking to figure out how to fix, you know, uh, thousands of years of, of just systemic conditioning 
and oppression to fix something in 30 minutes. That's not the Bro. truth. So like everybody is on, or should be on a continued DNI journey and, 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 and not, not, I don't even like saying DNI journey. You should be on a continued journey to be a better human being. There we go. A, a, a take up space in the life that you have that builds and not breaks and tears down. So there you go. I'm yeah. always looking, like you said, culturally, like what are things in the past that, you know, mm. I might have laughed at and it, it didn't even feel right when I laughed at then, but culturally mm. I felt like I was supposed to, or I'd be laughed at or picked on, ostracized. You yeah. know, so yeah. I, I realized like some things you don't tolerate no more because you know better, so you do better. Right. Um, and as we evolve culturally, you know, maybe we'll get to a point where, uh, you know, blacks mm -hmm. and whites and in America feel that there's equity there. But when you get to mm -hmm. that space, there's always going to be a marginalized population that is not being heard, that needs someone to speak up for their rights, uh, for their uh, ability to take up space. And so yeah. you're always having to evolve. Like right now, it's, it's race. It might be gender. It might yeah. be, you know, our, 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 our brothers and sisters in the trans community, you know, like it, we will continue to see these things. So it's continued growth and educating yeah. yourself yeah. on what lens am I looking mm. at this through? Mm. Is this because of something I've been taught? Yeah. And if so, what are the actions that I can do to be a better ally for something? Yeah. How would I recognize my privilege? Because even like, mm -hmm. That like people don't, you know, I, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of well, black people, you know, we don't have privilege like that. We have a lot of privilege and privilege we do relatives. So the fact yeah. that an able-bodied person, so man, one of my privileges, man, you know, mm -hmm. I have all my limbs. I, I don't have any, you know, physical disabilities. Educated. Your privilege. Yep. yep. I, I'm a man, like you said, uh, even higher. Yeah. You yeah. Most of them are above six feet. Um, and why it's been we've been conditioned of what these things look like so right. I recognize that I also know how I take up space yeah what I do impacts others stimulus so, value that's what we call that oh yeah yeah so it's like you know if how can I make sure everyone has a seat at the table yeah that takes a lot of work it takes a lot of research it takes a lot of books hmm. a lot of internet resources and yeah. a lot of listening to people's stories so that's been I think my biggest help in making a positive impact within the diversity and inclusion. Um, yeah. You know, I come, I'm the storytelling guy, you know, uh, my mm -hmm. research is on storytelling for self-efficacy, personal hardiness, community building, uh, my nonprofit, co-founder, self Nary. All we do is help people develop their story. But yeah. I have the chance to travel, help people develop and share, but I've grown because I've gotten to listen to thousands of stories, different perspectives of people's mm -hmm. emotions, feelings, lived experiences, mm -hmm. and how they navigate through race, trauma, uh, guilt, but, and yeah, giving me yeah. the understanding that I'll never understand. Yeah. But I have to have the mindset to be constantly curious in seeking yeah. understanding the form. Of yeah, Jay, so this is, this is really great. It, it reminds me, I was thinking earlier, like why, you know, you and I have had a connection for a long time, right? And, and interestingly, like even in our careers, our careers in some ways overlap in some really important ways. Um, one of the things that came to mind was 
that you listen to people's stories, right? You have some type of weird inherent interest in people's stories. And, uh, and that's what I do way. too. <laughs> not a creepy way, not a creepy way. <laughs> I just want to hear your story. Right? So, I know, oh boy, put your hat down. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, like, I, and I do the same, right? A lot of my work is uh, listening to people's story. I think you help people develop their story. I help people move from some place of like understanding their story to maybe doing something different, maybe understanding that what they did during their story isn't working for them anymore, maybe like it used to, and looking at their options emotionally, cognitively, like spiritually even. Um, That's one place where we overlap. The other piece I thought about was like, I try to help folks do some type of internal uh, reflection, right, on who they are and to your point, their stimulus value, what they bring, what they pull from others, right? Um, what can they do differently in their relationships to get a different outcome and that is like just a really pretty way of saying uh, or at least again another another interesting way of saying what you do in a lot of your work is really helping people develop their some type of insight and introspection uh, because the privileged don't have to think about but that's one of the definitions I use for use of privilege the privilege is the things you don't have to think about so, you know, when I get up and walk to the refrigerator, I don't think about the fact that I was able to walk there. That's my privilege. Right. Um, you know, when I go, I used to, I gave a couple of talks on, on DNI a while ago. Uh, one of them was at Jacksonville State University. Right. And, um, and when I went, um, I was, I, um, I talked about having uh, the privilege to just walk to my car um, at night, at, you know, and being at Target and not knowing that, you know, that everybody doesn't have that privilege. Mm-hmm. That some folks, uh, a lot of women I had talked to uh, talked about had, holding their keys in a way where the prongs were between their fingers so yep. that they were able to hit someone if they had to. Something I've never thought twice about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate the work you do around privilege. Uh, there's something you said, though, uh, when we were doing the pre-show about how we're tired. <laughs> you said there are a lot of allies trying to support us, try, and it, it feels a little overwhelming. Man, say a little bit more about that. All right, yeah. No, you just turn, turn the hat back around because this is the this is the this is how I'm really feeling. Whew, boy, <laughs> so I am appreciative of the over for one. I'm I'm so grateful, and it gives me hope that we're in the right path. Um, I've received from friends and family and overwhelming, and when I say family, not just you know black. I'm talking about overwhelming from people who aren't black. Uh, mm-hmm. reception of, of, of check-ins. How are you doing? I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. And I've okay, seen yeah. them all, and I appreciate them all, uh, but it's a lot of them. And when, and, I, and when I say a lot, I'm not talking about 10 to 20. I'm talking about, you know, 20 and above and in terms of emails, Instagrams, Facebooks, you know. So any source where social media for you to reach out. And that's part of what being an ally for someone, yeah. let them know you're thinking about them, you know? True. So it, it makes me feel good because as I'm trying to process being isolated due to COVID restrictions, uh, but also processing visually seeing, that's right, visually seeing trauma <laughs> over yeah. and over. I'm not talking about like once a blue moon. I'm talking about Bro. we have witnessed on videotape or through documentation Bro. Bro. at least five murders over the past two and a half, three weeks. And counting, bro. And yeah. counting. And counting. So, um, the it, it, you need that emotional space to be healthy, 
and processes. And it, it, I, I'm also wondering, bro, like how many of us, like, you know, people are talking about how you can go through PTSD and I'm not, you know, I don't know anything about therapy and, yeah. and the, that, that side of it. Yeah. But I just feel that I know I, and being, you know, just self-reflecting on myself, mm-hmm. seeing these images is not good. And also feeling like you're disconnected or almost mm. numb from seeing a new one. That's yeah. not healthy too. Like I shouldn't, you know, like I'm, I get, I get, I feel weight and sick when I see these videos, but mm. I feel like I have to watch it because I have to speak to it, given give mm. maybe my job. I got to help somebody process through it. So yeah. it's like I got to get the microwave, be in it, Whew. feel it. Now think about who needs what in this moment. Yeah. And so we have a little, for one, I got friends like you, um, definitely looking for, you know, um, more resources on mental health and black mental health um, <laughs> because yeah. I'm realizing that you have to have balance to process this through in a healthy way. Very true. I don't think a lot of us have those resources. Again, recognizing my privilege, I still have a job during the, during this, you know, recession and during this COVID stuff yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah. So I'm still able to pay my bills. Um, not everybody has that. I'm not hungry, you know, so I'm wondering mm-hmm. how the layers add to someone who doesn't have resources right now, who lost their job right now, who mm. are going through depression right now, and then they're also seeing all of these visuals. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it, it's oh, just yeah. tough, man. So, you know, I say all that to provide perspective to our allies who mm. are reaching out and they may not have heard back from those who they are thinking about and caring about. Yeah. Give us some grace uh, because right now we're trying to figure it out. Everyone's mm. going through their own journey right now. We have no clue where people are in the moment, uh, but it's easy to touch and reach out to somebody without having to know any of that. So that's true, man. That's true. I also I, I think um, so. So first of all, I wanted to echo your sentiments around um, like this feels different. Even at the beginning, um, this felt really different. Um, when I say the beginning, I mean when George Floyd. Uh, when his murder was first, by the way, I make sure I use, I, I use that language purposefully, right? Every time I talk about George Floyd, I'm very specific about how I talk about what happened to George Floyd and others like him uh, and not saying his death as if it were passive. Um, so that seems really important to me. Language, um, language is so important, man. But after following his murder and it, it began this like snowball, I noticed of like popularity and more and more people talking about it, I noticed my white allies were going ham. And that was new for me. I'm used to seeing black folks upset and angry about these things. Uh, But then I started, you know, getting a text message here or there. I started seeing people post about allyship. I saw people uh, completely checking out from their usual posts and their stories were full of ways you can support things, you know, um, documents that you can sign, emails that you can send. Um, and then we started to see it, at least in my, on my social media, it like grew from Instagram to Facebook. Um, and then I started to see it like nationally. I saw more and more protests. I was able to go to one. Uh, and then before long, I started to see it like internationally, which was like, what? Like, <laughs> the UK, places, the UK? <laughs> like yeah. Germany, like yeah. Germany, like Bro, when you look at the analytics on our videos, you're gonna be like, they looking at us in Australia for help. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Australia. <laughs> and 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 what's interesting, right? We bring up Australia and that's and that's like a great segue to something else that's really important to me. So um I've been thinking so so Australia also has a heinous history when it comes to the, the treatment of 
of their um, Aboriginal uh, population, right? And in much like Americans and Native Americans, the way in which they were treated and have been treated since, um, we know that people in Australia struggle, uh, that the, the Native people of Australia struggle. Um, and so what I know is, or rather what I've read, is about how um, there's a, uh, I can't remember the name of the day, but it's basically like an apology day, where one day a year, um, Australia takes a moment to step back and apologize for the, the, the heinous crimes that have happened to the Aboriginals. Wow. Um, and this is something I read years ago. Now, there have been mixed reviews, right? I've read some stuff about how it is like a farce and you know how some, some folks that are in that population, in the Aboriginal population, may not feel that that is enough, and it's not. Um, however, at least there's some acknowledgement, which is step one of healing, I think. Um, and I noticed that in all of the conversations I've been having about George Floyd and, uh, and Black people, just being a Black person in America, the, the worst, arguably the worst form of slavery that happened in the world was here in, the, in America. And, yeah. And, yeah. and we have yet to acknowledge the impact of that institution on the black psyche, on the black body, uh, on the black experience, right? And instead, what we've been told as black people is, you know, well, fit all lives matter is what we've been told, right? So now the entire world is kind of shaking around black people, uh, which is really awesome and special to me uh, and inspiring that there might be some change on the horizon. And one thing that I'm already thinking about is what about all the other oppressed populations? right this, right. It, this exactly. is about black people right yeah. but this is like to the point right trans people have been um oppressed for a long time black mm -hmm. people throughout the world still experience oppression right yeah. dark-skinned indian people mm -hmm. right and the, the way the caste systems are set up are, these people are still oppressed so mm -hmm. i'm thinking like best case scenario um black people in america get some 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 like semblance of equity <clears throat> but i'm thinking like what if we could do better than best case scenario? And what if the entire world, like these places like Germany, other places throughout the world that are protesting for us, makes me feel like even in our protest, we are privileged. Because there are people that exist throughout the world that are still oppressed. And I'm like, I need to march for them. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that constant state of how we show up for one another. And I, I, I feel you, man. You know, you, you, you bring up a, a, a good point, man, because, you know, like even with, you know, I am thankful that we're having the conversations right now and how we respond to this moment, I believe, sets the stage for how we will continue to respond in other spaces and places for other oppressed people. Yeah. That's why this work, for one, it should have always, it's always been this important. But, but like you're saying, we have to also recognize and understand this work will never be done. There will wow. always be spaces and systems that need justice. That are, you know, it reminds me of uh, Pedagogy of, of the Oppressed by, by Apollo Fury. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's never up to the oppressor to find the solutions to the oppressed. So right. for us, we always have to be an ally to look, you know, when you think about the four stages, you know, when you work within DNI, you have uh -huh. those who are your activists, those who are your mm -hmm. allies those who are your guides, those who are your teachers, right? And mm -hmm. so within each, uh, each, e each realm, you fit into one of those four, pull them in a little bit more where you're, you could be all four, uh, you know, but in this case, yeah. we're talking about allyship. And so the, the, mm -hmm. the, the key thing with that portion of the four is being yeah. in a constant state of asking, 
You know, it's a constant state of, mm. I don't know the answer because mm. it didn't happen to me. I don't say that it didn't happen or it's not there. I'm yeah. asking, how do I show up? How do I yeah. create a space for you for equity? Um, but I'm also researching on my own, so I don't have to ask as many questions. Yes. That oppressed population has probably been yelling for some time to hear them. So Bro, that where, term you said, what is that term you said? It said it was the, the black tax? That's what it, what it was? Yeah, it was? yeah, man. Well, yeah, man. It, it's kind of like, you know, right now in, in America, we're seeing that, that, that the, the black tax and, and we're seeing it from allies. In, inadvertently. So this is another part where people have to understand that inequality, if you're from a business, affects your bottom line. You know, from any organization, your organization, your organization will not thrive the way that it should. Right. If equity is not ingrained into that system, mm. right? Mm. And so when we talk about the black tax, some people say the invisible tax because everybody can feel it at some point. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to specifically focus on the black tax because we are black, yep, we black, and <laughs> we're feeling it real hard right now, right? Right. So we're dealing with being overwhelmed with support, right? We're right. also dealing with how to process our emotions and our feelings, right? We're also having to work still on our nine right. to five, and right. for many of us, we may be the only within those spaces. Mm -hmm. So the 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 feeling is the expectation, mm -hmm. intentional or unintentional by being an only to learn more about that only's culture is you may feel the invisible tax to be the subject matter expert. You may have to process emotional space outside of work and still try and figure out how to show up. Uh, where, like, yeah. so people have to understand that, you know, where there's inequality, those who are fighting that on a daily basis are paying this invisible tax. So you think about it. we were at, at our programs, right? I think about it. Uh -huh. We were at, you know, we were at programs where there were few African-Americans to reach that level of education. What's the Ooh. first thing that happened when you find out some more black folks applied? Man, like magnets. What did you do? Whether what you were asked to do or what your programming as a person Man. of color to try and bring more up into this space. Oh, yeah. Where you're oh, yeah. What, 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 what are some of the things you did that oh, your yeah, counterpart didn't do? Absolutely, man. I mean, I would, we would, we would sit around and have, we would have like Friday nights and we'd get together and kick it. I was talking to somebody about this recently, right? You had to have like levels of friends, right? You had your friends in the, in the program mm -hmm. and you had your friends that were in other programs mm -hmm. and you had your friends that was like all the way across the campus, but all of them was black. So mm -hmm. I could sit around and talk about my program, whether it was drinking, whether it was talking, whether it was like playing games, celebrating somebody's birthday. I mean, it could be, and some of those conversations were like, you know, sitting down, hey, man, I need help writing, right? So I know you're not even in my program, but I need to sit down and write with you. I mean, we would, we would get really creative. We're like, how in the world do we find support? But I had something in me, right? And you too, that felt like, like I've got to find people who understand my experience, who, who might be, like you said, at this level of education. Um, and, and there was something inherent in us that said, I need to find people of color who can help me get through this difficult time. But to your point, it's all privilege, right? I mean, it's, it's a privilege to have to find support in a PhD program when only 1% of people have PhDs. Right. Um, and some of those, hell, even things like uh, finding emotional support. I had, a, had some stuff going in grad school where I had to make some changes from one advisor to another. And it's like, man, like, how do I find support around this stuff? 
but I had, I had the support to help me find the support. And that's where I feel um, it, it's like, I don't know if you find this, but like that slippery line between feeling privileged and feeling guilty for being privileged, right? And that, I think, one of the terms we use for that when it comes to race is white guilt. And, you know, maybe there's some like educational guilt, you know, so it's, it's I guess what I'm getting at is- Survivor's guilt, I'm, survivor's remorse, you know? Yeah. There we go, survivor's remorse, exactly. And exactly, think about people in the hood that didn't make it, right? Guys who were gunned down, who didn't even get out of the neighborhood, right? So, and here I am, this educated person. One thing you said to me a while ago was like, like feeling bad for having the platform doesn't help. The way you get through that white guilt or survivor's remorse, as it were, is doing something with your platform. Right. You know, hence this, pla this, this podcast, right? Um, speaking of like that platform, I wanted to talk a little bit about like, what can we give people, right? People are always asking me at my job, whether it's an individual patient or all these asks that I'm getting, um, you know, what can we do to help black people right now? And I yeah. think this might be a really good platform to like once and for all, <laughs> hey, here are some resources. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jay? Uh, well, one thing that I, I found has been very beneficial, and we kind of spoke on the last podcast, well, I'm going to keep pushing it because even more resources have come out in, in this capacity, right? So a lot of folks, um, a lot of our white friends, uh, white, white brothers and sisters, they're, um, they're reaching out and they're trying to figure out how to have these types of conversations. Uh, they're processing through lived experiences. Uh, they're processing where they, you know, how they grew up, what they were told, um, and, 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 and navigating how to show up differently if the way they lived in the past didn't reflect their morals and ethics and values, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, um, when I would do DNI work with uh, with my one of my best friends, Brandon Tell, through Self Narrate, um, mm -hmm. there were certain topics where you know you 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 pick and choose because it's you pick and choose who's going to be lead facilitator there because mm -hmm. from a visual standpoint, seeing someone that can represent you in that process. Of, of navigating can have you can put yourself in that image right so that's yeah, why we talk yeah. about how imagery is so important right so when we're talking about allies and specifically on racial issues you know i would lean to brandon to talk about his experience and yeah. want to learn how to be a white ally as and he also recognized you know he, he was speaking from a space of male privilege white male privilege but he talked as a white person about what it felt like, you know, how he felt guilty and he wanted to do something, you know, and he, right. you know, he, 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 what can he do? And he created spaces in his places of influence to make more equitable opportunities. So, you know, like for mm -hmm. him, huge music guy, like he is the most knowledgeable person in music that I know, hands okay. down, bro. Little known fact, he introduced me to Chance the Rapper. He knew before acid rap drop. He was like, "Yo, this." Whoa! He knew I liked Kanye at the time. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Knew the vibe I was on. He's like, "Yo, this is new kid. He's about to drop acid rap." He reminds me so much of Kanye, but there's a rawness about it. I just don't know. Mm. And uh, that was during our first workshop, our first yeah. uh, project that evolved into self narrative. We just were talking, but um, he talked about, you know, in the spaces where I work in the music industry uh, yeah. locally. How do I create, how do I use my platform? And so he talked about how his contribution as an ally was, I have to make sure representation is there. It can't just yeah. be this part of Gainesville that shows up. It can't just be this genre of music that are at these events. Yeah. I have to set a goal that representation yeah. will be there, whether it's the host, 
uh, whether it's how we choose the, you know, the, 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 the group of people who choose and find local acts, that has yeah. to be diverse. So he used his influence and somebody yeah. saw a white person talk about their experience and that helped them to process it too. The same way black folks are looking to us as black folks to see images of how you can process through right now right. in a Big healthy fact. space. It's like, I can, I can put myself into that, into that, right. page, into that imagery. Um, mm -hmm. So the resources that I bring it back to the resources. Yeah. There are a lot of allyship resources right now, whether it's in book form or online. Okay. You can Google, how can I be a better ally as okay. written, you know, written by a white person? Okay. And you how can I be, I'm listening, yep. a better ally? I like that. Yeah. Oh man, there's and, a list, helpful.com, a guide to allyship. BuzzFeed has some stuff, Mashable, I mean, TED Talks. I mean, brother, you are, you are absolutely right. There's plenty of information out here. So we have it. We have it there. That, that's a start. Educate yourself. Look at how, you know, what resources are out there. Um, yeah. And then think about your, your, your circles of influence your and where you can change. Yeah. How you make where you are more representative of the world you want to be a part of. And hopefully yeah. that's a more equitable one because if it's not, you're probably going to be in for a long, uncomfortable ride. Man, you are things. right. <laughs> yeah, man, there's this campaign right now. So interestingly enough, um, <laughs> I watched Dave Chappelle's special last night. Um, he was, I mean, boy, didn't, I mean, I mean, genius. Yes. Uh, what can I say? I mean, just, just a genius. Um, and talk a lot about his experience. That might be one form, one place to start as an ally. Watch eight minutes and forty six seconds. And see that. Um, but yeah. you know, buckle up. Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. buckle up. It is Dave Chappelle. It's so, David. He's raw as ever, boy. Uh, well, we need, you need that authenticity, some of that yeah. raw emotion, because mm -hmm. this is he spoke to the spirit of how Whoa. we just feel right now, just so. Man, Deep down emotionally to the point where it's like we're only asking for equity. equity. Like, why are we like like the, the we're not asking for more than we're asking for equal. Yeah. It shouldn't be this big of a fight. And I think that I think that like unfortunately, I'm not even sure we're we're even asking for equity yet. Like Dr. King, what he was asking for was civil rights, right? And mm. and I think that cannot be killed by a police officer, I'm not even sure that kind of like goes into equity yet. That's just like, treat me like a human, right? Yeah. Just treat me like a human. Like you may not be paying me the same that you're paying other people in the workplace. You may, you may, I may not get the promotions that I'm due. I may not have the same opportunities, I may not have the same education opportunities or same SES, but at least don't kill me on the side of the street, right? For fun, yeah. because you can uh, but we'll get to that. That's a separate episode, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's deep, man. It's like we're trying to, God, the, the way you just put that imagery out there, it's like, yeah, we're still trying to uh, express that we are a whole human. Just people, not three-fifths. You know, we're not that, you know, four-fifths of whatever. You know, we're whole human being. No. We are people. We I'm aren't a person. cattle. We aren't right. Which, mm. going back to language and why it's so important, you know. To, exactly. So I mentioned Dave Chappelle, bro, because, uh, you know, his, his, um, his special was like very impassioned, very enraged, which I, which I really appreciate it. But one of his take on messages, if you remember, was who cares what Ja Rule thinks, <laughs> right? Who cares what Dave Chappelle thinks right now, right? You guys in the streets, you know, 
I saw a video today about um, a woman who was uh, put in a police car uh, during a protest. Gosh, I can't remember where. Uh, but they surrounded, the protesters surrounded the car and wouldn't let the police officers go. And the police officers actually let the young lady out of the car, right? So this was huge. But to Dave Chappelle's point, that like the people are speaking right now. They don't need Dave Chappelle. And then I turn on my phone and I go to Google and I see that there's this I take responsibility ad campaign. Now I'm all for it. There's some white folks who are out there. They're, they're famous folks, a lot of different celebrities. And they're saying, I take personal responsibility for my role in, in oppression. I will have uncomfortable conversations with my family members. Uh, in other words, I will do what Jaren's telling me that I should do as an ally. I mean, and I thought, what an interesting dichotomy between Dave Chappelle, this icon, this black man, who has said, you don't need my voice. And then for these white folks to, again, maybe the timing is just interesting, but for these white folks to say, I will start to take responsibility. And these conversations that I have been a part of in the past, these conversations I am now no longer going to stand for. I'm not going to laugh at jokes that aren't funny just because it keeps me uh, feeling comfortable. Uh, and that, to me, not only challenges um, again, I'm trying to, to, to be a teacher and a student in this regard, right? Not only challenges uh, what we look, what white folks are doing to ally with black folks, it challenges what I was raised when it comes to my reaction to people who are gay, even the LGBTQ plus population. You know, as a therapist, I've learned a lot. And so my perspective has changed, but I wasn't raised with the, with the best habits, especially around sexuality, um, especially toxic masculinity and around, you know, uh, alternate sexuality also a, a different uh, uh, identification. So I found myself like wrestling with that as well. Like, hmm, what are ways in which I can show up better? I can be a better ally for, uh, and, and do the same things that these white celebrities are taking responsibility for. Um, yeah. This can be an awesome experience if we let it. It can be really awesome if we let it. It's going to be challenging, but it has to be. You know, it's like, you know, on the other side of your comfort zone is, is, is progress, you know, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of like what, you know, it, it's, it's goal setting, you know, if you're always passive to the thing, you know, you have to do to get where you want to go. Yeah. You're never going to get there, mm. you know? And, uh, we talk about, uh, one of the things I always say in, in, I pull it from Les Brown, one of the motivational speakers I listen to and uh -huh. pull from a lot. He says, not that we set the goal too high it's that we set the low goal, the, the goal low, and we hit it on target. So if the goal oh, yeah. is mm. to say everyone has a seat at the table and we will do whatever we need to do, have the conversations that we need to have, be an active participant in making sure that seat is set, that there is a table there, that everyone is present and representative, um, and not just say, you know, we can make it better for this one group, you know, yeah. or after that's the, you know, like, or, or, I'm willing to think about it. You know, I'm willing to, 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 to just do this part that's comfortable. But yeah. set that high goal. Set the high goal. Uh, you know, go for it because yeah. you get to project what the end result is. Yeah. You to find the opportunity to get there. Mm -hmm. um, you bring up a, a good point. It's probably a, a good segue too. You know, we talk about resources uh, for our white brothers and sisters who want to be allies. Um, I did want to speak to what our organizations can do from, from a, a black perspective. A lot of people are being asked, hey, I want you to sit on this, 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 this strategic team, this leadership team. I want you to sit on this 
project is responsive. I want to, we want to figure out ways to help and want you to, to give us some possible solutions. Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of us right now are like, okay, first off, you never gave me this opportunity. Thank you. Cause you, my hand has been raised, but now yeah. it's like, okay, how do I make sure I'm giving the right advice that's beneficial? So we got people to understand and recognize that we still are working on people hearing us, but now is the, you know, the, the, the feet, the leg work, the constant yeah. leg work behind the yeah. movement that gets us to progress. So um, I did want to share a few things in thinking about how this fits within our circles of influence, right? So at work, if people are asking you as a black person, how do I make this better for a black, you know, for other black employees? Uh, for one, uh, you know, making sure that leadership has a strong understanding that, you know, multicultural competence, an understanding of what it means to listen to others, to, to know how your actions and your, how, how you show up influences people who are different from you is very important. So yeah. if businesses want to do a better job, uh, education and training, um, if not mandatory, Mandatory would be best case scenario. Mandatory mm -hmm. DNI training ingrained in the employee experience, mm -hmm. uh, but also talent acquisition. So, are you having what's called representative slates? So, mm. representative slates means that if you put out a job application, uh -huh. is it representative of our diverse workforce when you go through the interview process? Mm -hmm. And if you mandate that, you say if you haven't interviewed a person of color, if you haven't interviewed a woman. Um, before you made this, this decision to pick anybody, mm -hmm. you can't make that decision yet. You got to keep looking yeah. in, the, in, the, in the talent pool. Um, so that might be something. Now, some may say, you know, well, there aren't that many black men in counseling services, right? Mm -hmm. So then mm -hmm. you can also say, okay, so that sounds like a pipeline issue. So mm -hmm. if, can I work with, you know, different parts within the business? How are we supporting nonprofits? How are we supporting yeah. education? So now another new thing that you could possibly do is mm -hmm. am I, you know, am, am I giving to spaces that create opportunities of exposure to, ther to, to, to therapists, to inner city youth? So now there you go. Yeah. it might not happen this year, but you're saying I recognize there aren't enough to fill this talent pool. So we're going to help create equity uh, where in the future they will be yeah. able to apply for these roles. It's yeah. not like we're asking for things to immediately mm -hmm. be fixed right now because in right. spaces that's impossible. But if you plant the seed now, it will grow in time. But it's another thing to think about. Mm. Yeah, Jay, that's that's genius. I think I talked to um, I was I was sitting. I talked to. I wish I talked to him. I was uh, looking at Trevor Noah talk to Joe Biden, and uh, one thing he I, said. I <laughs> Man, it was good. It was good. But uh, like I said, we'll talk about Joe later. Uh, but but Uncle Joe, what he said was um, the first thing he said when he was asked about how to bring a, about changes in systemic racism in the United States of America was the first line was it will take time. And I, I appreciate that because, you know, as he said on his platform, you know, defunding the police might not be his jam. Um, and I think that it might work. But again, I'm no politician. Uh, but the, the point here is that at least he understands that if we as Americans have such a heinous history and now in 2020, we're finally starting to give some voice to the fact that this history has impacted people desperately, then it may take time to fix that problem. Um, 
Yeah. And to your point, it may be a process, one that, that takes some time and effort. And I love the idea of organizations starting to invest, as it were, like investing in the next Obama, if you're in, in, you know, in the business of hiring the next president or investing in the next Dr. Jones or Dr. Sots, right? If, if we're not doing something with organizations that create psychologists of color, then of course they won't be one in the pool in the, in the years to come. Um, I think that's absolutely imperative, man. Um, the other thing I wanted to say really quick about allyship is that everybody has a platform. This is something you mentioned before about like being black and realizing that I have privilege. Um, an old supervisor said to me that people most identify with the uh, parts of their identity that are injured the most. Mm. Um, so people identify most with the parts of them that they are injured the most. And that's maybe a part of why I identify most as a black man. Um, why someone who might have 20 different parts of their identity, but might have the most harm in their sexuality might identify as a gay woman. Um, so I think that um, we can use that, right? It doesn't have to just be something that holds us back. Um, because to your point earlier, not only am I a black man, not only do I have statuses of which are marginalized and or uh, oppressed or historically oppressed, I also have privilege. We all have privilege and marginalized statuses. We can tap into those privileged statuses. We can recognize our platforms. It doesn't have to be Dave Chappelle's platform, right? It can be our own. It can be our IG pages. It can, I told you someone sent me essential oils because they just wanted to see if they could just kind of pour into my life a little bit, right? They sent me a quick prayer and some essential oils. And I was like, Man, it's funny because in the message they were like, you know, this is something that white people that, that white people just shouldn't enjoy. And I was thinking like, yeah, I like essential oils, you know, and I've had them in the past, and I agree with you. Yeah, okay, I got them, and I got my little thing. I'm gonna roll it on me, you know what I'm saying? And my girl do this thing like this and put it on her head and stuff. I'm like, cool, I'm with it. I want to smell the oils and bring me down. You make me feel a little calmer. Um, another person, another ally, hit me up, and just on some regular stuff, man, was like, hey. Um, you know, I'm sure you're stressed out right now. I know you're working with patients. Uh, let me buy your coffee. And I'm not saying everybody needs to Venmo me, but if you want to, I ain't going to stop you. I'm just saying that, you know, find some creative ways you know, yeah. to do some allyship. You know, that thing about YouTube we talked about. Go to YouTube, type in Black Lives Matter playlist, let it roll, and all the ads will be donated to the organizations that help out with Black Lives Matter. I mean, there are some really creative ways to give your time, your money, your energy, your expertise, and your IG profile, your conversations. It don't cost a thing to tell, you know, your uncle who, you know, been racist since you were born that, hey, aunt, that's a little weird. I don't like that. That joke's a little funny, right? It don't cost you a penny. Right. Yeah, man. And, and we can do the same. Like I said, if I'm around somebody and they're like, man, look at this gay dude. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I remember telling my, my dad that, man, before. I was like, people don't really say that the F word no more. They don't, they don't talk about gay people like that no more. That's a look. That ain't cool, <laughs> you know? And, and if I have the opportunity to explain why. Absolutely. And like what you just did too, it, you, you explained it so succinct, but it, it, what you did is you, you, you saw the action, you stopped the action, and then you provided some sort of historical context and why that action is, is, is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you don't bro. say that. Like, that's not the way this, this goes. And then even to be able to pull, like, yo, that's a derogatory thing that puts someone yeah. down that, you know, that that's not how we represent. That's not how we show up. You know what I'm saying? And so that is part of being an ally is being, stepping up and stepping in front of and not even mm -hmm. looking for credit. Because a lot of times when you're stepping up and, 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 and speaking too, 
there is that fear of being ostracized. There is that fear of not being uh, included back into the room. But at yeah. the end of the day, do you want to be a person of regret or a person of authenticity? You know what I'm saying? And mm. so when we talk about, you know, the, the, the mm. leadership traits of an inclusive leader, that's one of them. It's self-awareness. Uh, you got curiosity, intellectual empathy, and courage. And so that really speaks to the courage man. part of it, man. I, I would rather be remembered for my authenticity to yeah. create inclusive spaces than to feel like, dang, I wish I had said yeah. what was on my mind because I felt like yeah. we left out a group of man. people. I feel like man. I might have saw a friend get hurt and I didn't speak to them. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They had support and I, yeah. I ain't living so what, you did, what, what you're talking about, man, really, really involves a lot of bravery, a lot of courage. And I want to also give voice to the folks who are not there yet, right? There might be some folks who, who that might be where they're aspiring, but that might not be where they are now. And that's okay. Um, I, think, I think it was you and I that were talking about like some folks, like their, their role in the revolution might be going to work, right? Yes. It might be just that. Your role might be showing up, like you said, just, just going to work and being the only black man in my office might be my version of protest, right? And that, and I think you finding creative ways for us, all of us, right? Whether you're an ally or you're going through it right now, um, finding creative ways to use whatever platform you have in order to, to get creative. Like, how can I have, even if it's one conversation, how can I chat with somebody about this stuff? Jay, I think we're out of time, brother. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. We're we, we out of time, man. Uh, I'm probably going to have to speed this up a little bit so it might sound a little fast because I won't get in that hour so we can post it on IG Live. But uh, Okay. You know, uh, it's a, uh, more content. We'll stop there, and uh, yeah, man, we'll, be, uh, we'll continue it in episode six. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And I think we're at six. This is five. Um, I want to make sure folks know that they need to email us at quarantine snacks at gmail. Uh, where do they find us on our IG, Jay? Uh, Great question. <laughs> because we just uh, made all of these. And so, uh, IG. Okay, got it. All right. So on IG is Quarantine Snacks Podcast. Okay. How about Facebook? How do they find us? Quarantine Space Snacks Space Podcast. YouTube. How do you find us? Quarantine Space Snacks Space Podcast, just like Facebook. And Twitter. How do they find us? Twitter. For some reason, people just uh, like Quarantine Snacks. So we couldn't find the regular one so it is the qsp all together yeah, absolutely so uh this is dr socks dr jones and keep snacking peace hey job peace